instruments, baby. Uh huh, yeah. Well, not quite. I'll be talking about much more than just the Benjamins, and certainly more than cash. There are cryptocurrencies, blockchains, artificial intelligence, and all intersections of technology and regulatory policy. Fintech Beat will redefine finance. On this podcast, we'll feature the latest trends, movers and shakers, ideas and laws that are shaping this industry. Coming to you from CQ Roll Call Studios in the heart of Washington, D.C., this is Fintech Beat, where the future of finance is now. I'm host Chris Brummer, and this is a preset. An early edition of our new podcast will bring the listener onto the ground floor of what we at Fintech Beat plan to bring to market. The modern story of Fintech starts in a dark place, the year 2008. After a decade of rampant, wild speculation in real estate markets and exotic securities, Wall Street collapsed, with the stock market tumbling nearly 800 points. Taxpayers would then have to shovel out $700 billion to bail out the economy. We ran into a dangerous moment in the world with a system that would dramatically outgrown the protections of the Great Depression without the tools to prevent panics. That's Tim Geithner, former Secretary of the Treasury, reflecting back on his 2008 experiences in an interview in 2018. All the world craved financial stability. New rules would be introduced to clamp down on speculation and to make banking boring again. Here's another take from Geithner's boss. You may recognize the voice. And we're gonna put in place new rules so that big banks and financial institutions will pay for the bad decisions they make, not taxpayers. Simply put, this means no more taxpayer bailouts. Never again will taxpayers be on the hook because a financial company is deemed too big to fail. Ah, too big to fail. The one term along with maybe bailouts that the average American came to understand in a personal, perhaps even visceral way. And there was, at least for the moment, a consensus that banks needed to be chopped down to size and that the rate of innovation and speculation needed to slow. But whatever the intent of post-crisis financial reforms on speculation, innovations in financial technology would continue. To paraphrase Jurassic Park, technology would find a way. And just like after the meteors wiped out the dinosaurs, enabling the emergence of smaller forms of life, the financial crisis would open a lane for smaller companies, fintechs, to assert a new influence in the financial ecosystem. Startups out west would seek to transform society for the masses by reinventing retail financial services like insurance, car loans, mortgages, and wealth management. On the East Coast, fintechs would target Wall Street and unbundle the back office operations of global banks. Together, things are set to change dramatically. I spoke to Dan Schulman, the CEO of PayPal last year, on his take of what these developments will have for fintech. Everybody in the world will have all the power of a bank branch in the palm of their hands. Uh, as we look forward, connected to software platforms, uh, with really connectivity that will have high speed, will be very inexpensive, and that will dramatically change 
the way we think about managing and moving money. Simply put, the very idea of what a bank is will change just as much as what it means to have a cell phone. And this is set to have profound implications for financial inclusion. I dug up a good TED talk from Henry Arslanian, PwC's fintech leader in Asia, that really shows and illustrates the point. Over the last five years, 700 million people went from being unbanked to being banked. And this is just the beginning. The fintech industry is continuously working on transforming how financial services are being delivered. And consumers like yourselves will be some of the biggest beneficiaries. And everybody wants in. You say you want a revolution. Well, you know. The revolution may not have been televised, but it is online. And its impact can be seen everywhere, with cities around the world, from San Francisco and New York, to London, Paris, Singapore, and even Hong Kong, all vying for the title of capital. But all this progress hasn't come without concerns, serious concerns about cybersecurity, privacy, and consumer protection. Particularly tricky questions arise where, say, products use data that is inherently discriminatory. Imagine lenders that use an algorithm that assign higher interest rates to individuals that read Elle magazine without explicitly targeting women. Well, you need to make sure robots comply with the same kinds of norms and expectations that humans do. Here's Sheila Baer, the former FDIC chairwoman, talking to me at Georgetown about the problem. Look, you don't want AI to be used as an excuse, right? Oh, the algorithm made me do it. And we've, we've heard that a little bit, you know, some Google and Facebook, some of the silly things that were going on there. Oh, it was our algorithm. It's like they weren't responsible for that. So you're always responsible for your own AI. And I think regulators always don't ever buy into that, that the humans who design these are responsible for them. And if they can't explain the result that, that, that's being produced, well, too bad. Figuring out how and if old school rules can apply to new school technologies is a challenge. As a securities law professor, I get asked lots of questions from members of Congress and the European Commission to CEOs and technologists about what fintech means for global capital markets. And perhaps not surprisingly, those questions tend to begin with the words blockchain. During testimony on cryptocurrencies in Congress, I was asked by then-Congressman Keith Ellison about the risks for Americans who want to invest in things like Bitcoin. If somebody who's not sophisticated in this area wants to invest, what should they, what should they know in advance? Here was my response. Given the complexity of many of these instruments, it's very dangerous. It's not just the specific venture itself that creates risks. It's not even the cyber risks or the potential for hacking. But it is a very dynamic ecosystem. Internet-based principles become embedded in the blockchain and lead some of the blockchain technologies that we're depending on now rather obsolete, where the tokens tied to them then become ultimately worthless. These are the kinds of risks that retail investors themselves may not necessarily understand, even where they may have some basic, if not only hazy, understanding of the technology itself. Now, it wasn't the most eloquent answer for a podcast, and it wasn't meant to be. But the idea behind my comments was pretty simple. Cryptocurrencies are complex and hard to understand. And to help prospective investors, the firms that issue them to make money should make honest and clear disclosures about their technology. But doing even that is hard to do when cutting edge technology keeps becoming 
well, cutting edge. We'll explore why on this podcast and even try to come up with some solutions ourselves. And we'll be inviting not only some of the leading technologists and financiers, but also frontline regulators in order to get a sense from them about what they're thinking about and what the likely developments will be for fintech and fintech regulatory policy. We want to take a fresh look at questions like whether cryptocurrencies should be treated like stocks or bonds and how and whether it's even possible to keep them safe. We'll be looking at technology too, kicking the tires of algorithms powering new credit and investment applications from AI to machine learning. All the while, we'll be taking a global view, talking to leaders from the European Union to the World Trade Organization. Here's a sneak peek into the next episode featuring an exclusive conversation with the crypto dad himself, Commodity Futures Trading Commission Chairman Christopher Giancarlo. First question, blockchain and derivatives markets. Uh, what is the potential and do you see actually any potential in our derivatives markets? So fast answer. Yes. So I think it is going to be tremendously uh, transformational for markets. You know, the markets are built upon connections with counterparties, but also connections with clearinghouses, settlement agents and others. And to have all of that centrally on, on a blockchain and to give regulators that accurate and immediate visibility into markets is, is amazingly transformational change. you enjoyed the presale, and we want to hear from you. Feel free to email us at fintechbeat at fiscalnote.com or tweet to at Chris Brummer Doctor. That's at C-H-R-I-S-B-R-U-M-M-E-R-D-R. Join us next time on Fintech Beat, brought to you by CQ Local.